Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. This is episode 133 with business and life goals coach and property investor, Joanna Pahorsky. If you want to be a part of making a difference in the lives of others, make sure you share this episode and leave a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, and together we can leave a positive mark. Thank you very much, Chris. Great to be here. Yeah, it's uh, to start off, I mean, lived across all continents and you speak five languages. Why is that before we dive into the five traits of pencil leadership? Sure. Uh, uh, and thanks for the question, because um, it actually is great for me to get this question, because I just take this absolutely for granted. And there have been some set challenges so actually to, to um, have it in a context that's really positive, really uh, gives me an uplift in terms of, you know, um, how how privileged I am in many ways, um, having had those opportunities. So I was born in Poland um, during still communism in the 70s. And we emigrated to Austria. So there's then the second language after Polish, German that I've learned. At school, I learned English, French, and I started learning Spanish as well. But I really learned Spanish going to Spain. So I, I um, trained dance learning, dance flamenco for a while. And, and the best teacher speaks Spanish. So that's that's what I what I did. And I learned it mostly there. Um, also then talking to friends who I met there and so forth. So I've been very privileged. And I have to say for a while, I also spoke Portuguese because I um, lived and worked in Angola. But um, it's I, I can't speak it anymore, so I understand quite a fair bit still. But unfortunately, I, I don't have opportunities to speak it anymore. Wow, that's that's fantastic. So I mean, I I have trouble just speaking English. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I think learning another language. I took German in high school, but I, I probably uh, couldn't hold a conversation at all. Uh, but in the future, to learn another language would be is on the list. So that's that's really neat. Do, do you have a favorite language? I mean, that you like speaking. It's really funny. So um, people ask me which language I think in most frequently. And, and it's really funny because I tend to uh, think in the language I'm going to have an interaction or I had an interaction with or that's relevant to the environment. So I speak in any language that actually um, is, is um, relevant to the context. Uh, and, and that tends to change, obviously. That's crazy. That's that's pretty cool, though. And it's neat. Was, was there a reason you moved across all the continents? Was it just for you personally? Or did you have families that you had to do, go with? So apart from family, so I actually have family as far as Peru, uh, as I found out a few years ago, uh, and Australia and Sydney. So so a very typical family of Polish origin, to be honest, a lot of people emigrated. And I live in London right now. Uh, and um, I worked for several multinational companies, um, global players. And in my last role, I was responsible for a global team, uh, which was um, scattered across the world. So this allowed me to, to go to China, to go to South Korea, uh, Australia as well, um, uh, North and South America. Uh, and, and Africa was part of a different assignment with a different company. But there, there, this was one of the most impactful uh, times in my life, I have to say. That's pretty cool. So I, I, I love to travel. I love to experience other cultures and other people's, you know, how they live and just, how, you know, life in general there. So uh, I've been uh, blessed enough to go to China, to the Netherlands, Mexico, Canada, things like that. Lots of still places on my list. But do you have a favorite place that you've been to? 
Um, actually, um, when it was one of my big dreams, a bucket list to go to two places. Um, one is the Easter Island, Rapa Nui, west of Chile. And the other one was the cherry blossom in Japan in the spring. And I was so fortunate to um, get, go to, to Koya, Koya Sands, the mountain Koya in Japan. And that was just such a strong spiritual experience. It really, um, I was told, you know, I stayed overnight and I was told you're going to sleep in heaven tonight by the monks in that particular place. And I, I didn't really know what to do with it. <laughs> I'm, I, uh, but, but then uh, for a couple of months afterwards, I actually was so um, relaxed and so balanced. I could really feel the difference when I then went back to work. So it was only retrospectively that I actually understood what, what they probably meant. That's really cool. Yeah, that the Cherry Blossom Festival or just the Cherry Blossoms over there in Japan is, is on the bucket list of mine, too. It just the pictures are just fantastic, beautiful. Absolutely. And also, um, as with many of these bucket list items is actually when you get there you realize that it's the people around you who make the experience they elevate it to any different level and higher level and i'm fortunate from my studies i did uh, a year in london uh, i actually had two friends who we hadn't met for 20 years, but then we met again after 20 years, very, very exactly um, in Japan during the cherry blossoms. It was absolutely incredible. Just took it to another level. Yeah, that's it, such a good point. Sometimes the experiences we have, they're elevated just by the people you're with. And I think that's a cool, cool takeaway with that. Cause I mean, we're built for community and relationships. So I think it just makes everything better when we can have those people. So, and, and with that too, kind of going into pencil leadership, the traits and the first one being a pencil has to be held to leave a mark. Um, it's about the people in our lives and the mentors and the guides we have to elevate us to these new levels and to teach us. So looking back on your journey so far, could you, do you have that one or maybe two individuals that were just a huge, huge impact on your life? It's so it's quite interesting because I was thinking about this last year and, um, I, I find that um, the, the couple of people who helped me was mostly my professional life, where I really um, um, had maybe all the all the mindset and and the tenacity certainly, and I was determined to make it, but I wasn't quite sure which direction to go. And a couple of um, senior leaders um, were there at the time, and they really uh, saw that, saw something in me. And, and help me to effectively leverage what, um, what I've been doing. And, um, and this took me to, to in the end, um, most recently leading a 70 million business and 350 people. Uh, and, and, you know, that's not where I started. I didn't start with, I would say, the skill set that would have allowed me to do that, enabled me to do it. So it's been a real transformation. And part of that transformation was um, uh, while I was uh, a management consultant, which can be a rough ride at times. You know, I signed a contract saying that I'm going to work as long as it takes to get the job done, which sometimes meant 20 hour days, you know, and, and there was uh, no complaints, it was just get the stuff done. Um, look forward to the weekend at times. But um, what, what was really interesting is that I got a phenomenal business um, learning um, and, and education in real life situations so real business models how it works with practice not just in in the theoretical books and 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 in um which i had read before and one of the best things i was told is um that you really have to um sometimes to step back 
to be able to move forward. So, so working smarter, not harder, is actually part of that as well. And and for me, I still remember I was um, I was uh, having a feedback conversation, and there were several items that came up. And I I thought, you know, I'm doing amazingly because I was actually confusing determination and drive with the impact that I needed to have. So the brief effectively and the impact on people. And um, so, so already work smarter, not harder. I was not very impressed because, you know, I was working 18, 20 hour days. So I thought, you know, are you telling me I'm not doing a good job? So my mindset was not quite there yet at that point in time. And that was about 15 years ago. And uh, the, the high or low light, uh, low moment of that conversation for me at the time, however, highlight in retrospect, was when I was told that I treat people um, basically like like machines. So I just roll over across them and treat them as if they had no no feelings, no you know no um, no humanity in them. We're just there to operate like a machine, always hundred percent. And I still remember I was in such a shock when I heard that. I had a physiological reaction, just tears running down my eyes. It was literally, it was not even upset, it was physiological. I was in such shock when I heard it because I believed I was a great people manager. And this left such an impact on me that it took me further down the road into coaching and actually also mediation very often and being able to, to engage with people where I might be sometimes completely of the opposite view and opinion and really disagree with them fundamentally. However, because I can step into their point of view, regardless of what my personal opinion is, I can really then come, come to, um, let's say, um, mutually, mutually maybe not, not happy um, agreement, but where, where there is a minimum viable uh, agreement in the end between different parties. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. And what you just said, a couple things is, uh, and it goes into the next, next thing of pencil leadership, the next tray of, of the sharpenings we go through the hard times that if we can then in retrospect, look at and find the positive, um, we can really grow. And, and you said, sometimes you have to take a step back to go forward. And I mm -hmm. think that was so that's a crucial statement and such a well said statement because sometimes we're, we're, you know, we're going so hard at this obstacle then, you know, the obstacle is the way, but if we're so, you know, close to it, banging our head against the wall, if we would just take that step back, you know, maybe we see that, that window or, you know, or that door or that opening or that step to get over it. Uh, so I thought that was, that was, that's a really great point about, you know, taking a step back to be able to, to move forward. Yes. And, um, and, what I find also is, you know, in a solopreneur, entrepreneur environment, the message tends to be, you know, just push. The harder you push, the faster you get there, the, the, you know, the more quickly you get there. And the reality is, A, it will, well, the reality is it will not work all the time for everyone in every circumstance. And for someone who is ambitious, who really has a vision and a commitment, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm one of the people, I recurrently find that sometimes when I really push myself um, above and beyond, this physically forces me to step back. So uh, the most recent, a couple of weeks ago, um, I actually fell ill because I was pushing myself so hard that my body just told me I'm not having any of this and I don't care mentally what you want, Joanna. But... Uh, I'm telling you, you're going to slow down. And I was literally knocked me out for a week. And and only today I've been able to go back to exercise um, 
slowly but it really is my personal experience is yes you have to push you know you shouldn't you know if you want to achieve something of course and um and it's always everyone's choice but ultimately you have to know your boundaries as well because everyone else's boundaries are different and you know i'm no night navy seal the reality is you know i'm someone with chronic asthma and and i have you know a challenge which i cannot just disregard so every time i over push myself my body just tells me you know these are your boundaries and it's i have to accept that it's not bad or, or ugly it's just how it is and i have to work around it absolutely and again just we all go through you know hard things we get sick you know we get down we get told that we're just running people over and we're not seeing them as people and so for you how do you how do you take on those those quote unquote sharpenings, those hard times, those learning mm -hmm. lessons, and be able to see the positive and grow through it? Um, this is really interesting question, and actually, I've I've had on the property side, I've had quite a challenge um, in um, over period of 15 months so really not just a blip this was a continuous process something that was really draining me not just of my finances in the background but really mentally as well and uh, and i'm happy to talk about this more now because actually there's a great lesson for me uh, in this and and hopefully for, for others as well to give them hope which is how i felt that finally hope will come in that situation you know i had no i had resorted um i went through all the the legal means i had i've done everything by the book i went above and beyond to to um make that situation work for 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 that particular person the tenant however it it was just um impossible it seemed to to fix at that point in time and my approach was i only have inverted commas only have to do everything that's available to me in every possible way to then say okay there's literally nothing else that i can do and because i also kept talking i have a huge property network and i kept talking to everyone telling them the situation you know also exploring other ways of leveraging the property once the person was no longer there to make it financially viable again because when the moment came when they vacated the property i found myself in the situations where already straight away could launch into different conversations to really um uh improve the financial situation i found myself in with that particular property and and uh right now just yesterday is a perfect timing uh, a paralympian moved in someone who you know has phenomenal achievements you know i've seen her instagram and i'm just so proud and so uh, grateful that all these different activities and all this effort all this networking i had done um, has really resulted in such a great result where you know it was really shameful and embarrassing to actually admit that i had made mistakes and you know i made decisions based four years ago based on what i knew at that time where i didn't have that much property education which i do have now so while I know I wouldn't repeat it, I still had to deal with the situation. And because I never gave up, no matter how depressed I was, and believe me, I was, how much I felt, you know, I should have never made these mistakes I'd made four years ago. I just never listened to this negative self-talk. And I really focused on what I can do. And that was ultimately, you know, making sure that as many people who are in property know that this amazing and this amazing property is going to be available um at at that point in time uh, or some point in time and you know this has led to me from someone from my network then uh connecting with that person who moved in yesterday 
So that's that's really um, for me. It's all about never giving up. And even if it feels really hard, you know, it's sometimes you just have to mechanically go through things like morning routine, you know, positive reinforcement, not not going like, oh, it's never going to work. You know, it's never worked for 14 months. It's not going to work for another 14 months. It's about sometimes just mechanically being positive and just reinforcing, reinforcing, because if you put the the energy, constructive energy in at some point, it's going to work. And, you know, so many people told me that. And I was like, yeah, of course, I just hope it's going to be soon, you know. So I've just been through this. So I all I can say is, you know, just keep putting the energy in because, you know, I never expected a Paralympian to move into my flat. I, I just thought, that, well, I hope I can sell it. But that's now so much better than what I was aiming for in the first place. I think that's a great testament and it's just in these hard times when we're going through those to keep doing the right thing. Like you mentioned, your morning routines, all that positivity and even it gets hard some days. I mean, and, and some days you're not going to, and it's just part of it, but getting back on the horse and just, you know, doing the right things. And like you said, eventually it works out. And I, I believe that as well. And, but with that too, like, like you said, you you made a mistake four years ago, something you wouldn't recreate today. And that's the, the third trait of pencil leadership. It's a pencil has an eraser to fix mistakes. And we too can fix mistakes and, and, and learn from those and not make the same mistakes going forward, which is exactly what you did. You you had that mistake. You learned from it. What I loved in that story of, of getting through that mistake was that you reached out to your community, to those that you knew your network. Uh, and, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you asked for lots of advice and direction, but also <laughs> let them know like, Hey, this is, this is going to be available and you used your resources. Um, so what, like, cause you, you said you kind of had to humble yourself and say, Hey, I'm in mistake. <laughs> so what was that process? Like, I mean, internally you felt shame, uh, things like that, but how did you overcome that and continue to work at fixing that problem? Um, so I think, so, so I have a degree and I think for someone who's been through quite a lot of education, uh, in, uh, different areas, it's difficult, first of all, to admit to, of, to making a mistake because, you know, when you have, um, a lot of education, you're not, uh, the assumption is you're not supposed to make mistakes, right? So, so that's a starting point, even though, you know, if you are a marine biologist, how could you not make a mistake and I don't know, going to space, right? These are completely different things. And my background is applied linguistics, program management, commercial management, business management, coaching. So property was actually far out there. And, and I had not educated myself at that point in time. So um, which was around the time actually I was starting education. So ideally, I would have gotten the education first and then made the decisions. Um, so th this is the first learning is when you start something new, just make sure you really understand. So get some education, not 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 from friends and family who mean well, but they might actually not know anything about it. So they give you emotional advice and not actual education. So getting education from experts, you know, um, people who really understand uh, that particular theme or topic, who have been doing it for a while successfully, not just doing it. So the outcomes do matter who are also willing to share, who are also um, authentic and also prepared to share the mistake. That's very important because um, people who say I've only ever been successful, um, this, this cannot be true. There's nobody in this world um, who has only ever been successful because they might have done everything right themselves, but they are surrounded by what I call an ecosystem of other people. 
and you cannot control what other people do or say, right? So, so sort of no fault of their own, at some point there will have been a challenge they've experienced. And, and talking about this is actually very helpful to knowing whether they are the right, the right mentor, the right teacher, I find, um, for, for yourself and learning. No, I think that's a good good point because none of us are perfect, and uh, I've made plenty of mistakes along this journey as well. And and uh, yeah, those who say that they haven't made any mistakes and all that is, I, I'd kind of steer clear, especially as for as far as a mentor goes, like you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, I think that's a great point when we make mistakes, and I haven't had anyone answer it this way, but finding that education, finding that like, okay, so where did I go wrong? Why? then how can I, how can I be better in the future? Uh, and actually teaching ourselves, whatever, even if it was, um, maybe you said something wrong or bad or mean to someone else. Okay. Wait, why did I say that? You know, what's in, what internally, what in my heart is, is causing me to have that negativity. Mm -hmm. Um, do I have a bias? Do I have anything like that? Do I have just, uh, past conditioning, whatever it is, and then mm-hmm. you can learn how to overcome it. So it can work in that mm-hmm. it can work in business. So I think that's a really cool uh, and a neat perspective of, you know, finding the education, learning about that process and why that mistake happened and then growing from it. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. And also you mentioned something really, really important, which is self-limiting beliefs. So um, it, it, it's so easy to fall into this trap and it's a true trap because it can really, really limit someone's potential and someone's opportunities. And it can be something as simple that as, as people who have always said to you, well, you never get this right. So, for example, um, a self-limiting belief that I used to have is that I'm not good with numbers. So, uh, you know, and, and I think... Um, there are, there are more people than just me who um, maybe from school took away not the best of impressions when it comes to numbers or, or maths. But maths is just a small part of what you can do with numbers and when numbers actually matter and can really make or break someone's life, career and, and future. And, and um, I always say is uh, one of the, at least, well, the favorite examples um, that I always use is at school, you know, when it came to probability, um, and they made us do this calculation with the, you know, you have a, a bag with white and black balls. And then when you put your hand in on the basis of how many either, what's the probability of pulling one or the other? Oh, my gosh. And I always thought, I oh, know what a waste of time. I'm sure there's a better way of using my time to learn something. And then, you know, the, the, what I always said is, you know, had they taught me how to work with probabilities around blackjack or, or um, you know, something like you know, right? And I'm not supporting gambling by any way, uh, in any way. But actually, you know, there are there are some things when you understand that's actually applicable to life. And again, I'm not suggesting that you know what someone should be doing. But you know, this connection to real life is what I was lacking at school. And I think for a lot of people, this then creates the self-limiting beliefs. Um, you know, I'm not good at this because you know I always want I always want to know why, right? And um, I, I went to school in Austria and this was not a good time and environment to ask the question why. So I ran into a lot of problems. I, I barely passed my A-levels in maths, actually. Uh, and But then, you know, I went on to run a 70 million business uh, at over 20% margin and, and, you know, and growing it, developing new products, lines. And it was a phenomenal success. You know, I, I was in that position, different angles for many, many years. So clearly... I understand numbers, right? Um, 
However, my takeaway from school was I'm not good at numbers. So, so it's really, really cutting through those self-limiting beliefs because had I believed it, I would have never stepped up to managing a business and having a fantastic career. Yeah, this, those are huge to break through those, those barriers, those preconditioned notions that are about us. And a lot of them, unfortunately, come through this school, I think, during the school years, because mm-hmm. uh, if we question anything or, you know, you're wrong or you get in trouble for mm-hmm. So it's, it's an interesting, yeah, a lot of things people, I, I, they don't realize probably how many they actually have those limiting beliefs that they need to work through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's such a huge point. And, and again, that's, that's why I married a math teacher. So I didn't have to worry about the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, but no, that's a great, great dive into limiting beliefs and the mindset there. And, and it all kind of goes back internally, like our mindset, our thought process, and, and again, our character and our integrity. And that's the fourth trait mm-hmm. of pencil leadership is, you know, the lead leaves the mark in the pencil and, in our integrity, our character, what's inside our mindset, that's what comes out into our lives mm-hmm. and influences and leaves the mark on our worlds. And so for you, what are some of your kind of main values that you really focus on uh, having, you know, come forward in your life? Hmm. Um, I think it's a great question because um, knowing what your values are means that you can um, find people and identify people better who you want to work with, spend your time with, you know, be surrounded by. And it just makes life such a, such a, such a, a lot greater experience when you know that and, and find that environment. So, so for me, I have to say, um, I've been, um, I've been probably honest to a detriment uh, at times for myself. So I actually had to learn when to not talk <laughs> or, or give feedback, you know, so there's, there's a good time and, and less good time to do that. So, Honesty is very, very important. However, it has to be at the right time, the right way, because honesty can really hurt someone if not delivered the right way. And then it has really the opposite effect, I think, of what honesty should achieve, which is constructive feedback, Uh, helping someone, supporting someone and improving whether they do it or not is their, you know, is their decision, but at least giving them opportunity to, to do something differently. So honesty is definitely very important. Integrity as well. So, um, a lot of um, the, I think, I think I've been very fortunate that um, most of my life I've worked with people and been personally surrounded by people who are where I, I've always been comfortable that if something was happening or you know there was a change of circumstance, they would tell me. I didn't have to worry, you know, all of a sudden they would disappear or something's going to happen, you know, any kind of backstabbing. Let's use the hard word. Mm-hmm. I've never had this. So I never had to sleep with one eye open at night wondering what's going to happen. So I think that's been very, very important as well, that that mutual integrity and trust, um, which is also another really important element, I find, of um, of a life where you can add value. So if you don't have to worry about what's happening in your environment, when you can feel safe. So almost going back, you know, to, to Maslow's Pyramid, where, where your ba- the basic of your of survival, not ju- and it's just beyond food and and drink and sleep. When the higher levels are fulfilled, you know where you um 
where you can then really drive forward towards self-fulfillment, I think you have to have the certain certainty in place that you don't have to worry all the time about what's happening in your environment and what to expect from other people uh, that potentially might be harmful or hurtful to you. I think, you know, having that certainty that people around you are solid, aligned with your values, um, um, whatever that might be. In my case, a lot of it is around integrity, trust, and and, uh, and honesty. Uh, that's really something that's going to help you um, being able to, to give more value to others as well. Yeah, I think those are big, big uh, character traits to have because, you know, wanting to add value, wanting to make a difference, I mean, you have to have that. People need to trust you and they have to see that you're going to be there. And, and so those are really uh, great ones to have in our lives and have come out and then like attracts attracts like so you're having those people come into your life who are trustworthy who have integrity and things like that so uh just living that out day to day and again like i think it was interesting what you said about you don't then you you don't really have to sleep with one eye open you know i just talked to someone the other day and they were thinking about implementing something in their business but they're like you know, I'm just, I'm just scared people are going to take advantage and they're going to, you know, screw us over and do all this. I'm like, man, like, think if you went every day thinking that everyone was out to, you know, take advantage and, and do you wrong. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa. So it just kind of, it's funny how that kind of coincided with our conversation today. And right. I, I think this, and I think it, it goes back to, again, our, how we see ourselves and, and our, those limiting beliefs that we can, there's, there's something there that has us see the world through that kind of lens that we have to work work uh, on on clearing up for sure yes yes and it's it's quite interesting as well because someone uh, once told me as well you know that's all you know that's very nice for you but you know what kind of threats have you had in your life you know it seems that you know you come from a safe background nice family um you know you had everything kind of like laid out in front of you and um, and I think this is sometimes an assumption that's easy to make because someone speaks about something constructive, positive with conviction. And, and uh, the marks that I've had are not really visible on the outside. But what I would like to mention is, you know, uh, I had a situation in Angola where I actually uh, had been out um, with to get to get food for an orphanage. That's something that we used to do as expats on a rotating basis. And I was there with the driver. So this was policy. You always had to go with the driver. We were parked in front of a warehouse, which was known to be safe. And while I was inside the warehouse um, getting the vouchers for, for um, paying effectively for the goods uh, to be picked up, um, a group of um, drunk high, I don't know who, arrived and they started to uh, wave their weapons. So Angola until 2002 um, had a civil war and there are still a lot of weapons around. And many people actually, while they wave them and, you know, carry them, they actually don't know how to use them. So as they start to wave the weapons, I was told to hide. You know, white woman, uh, I'm like enemy number one uh, at that point in time, right, in that situation. So I was told to hide. Uh, from the conversation, I could hear, you know, that they were calling me the usual, you know, a white aggressor and so forth, which was a bit ironic considering, you know, the circumstances where I found myself there. But I was just literally told to duck and dive in a dark corner in that warehouse, which I did. I was looking through through the, the boards, what's going on. So then the situation went from bad to worse because then security arrived. And security had guns as well. And it was quite obvious they were not, um, well, the, the idea of, you know, how to how a gun works and how, <laughs> how unsafe it is was different from mine. 
So they, you know, when they click, when they um, unblock the gun before someone shoots. So they did all that and then started to wave the guns at the at the people who were trying to effectively attack me. So the whole situation was I was literally sitting there. And, you know, until today, I remember the absurd thing. I was thinking, oh, my God, as a management consultant, you know, had I done anything wrong to get into this situation? Because if I had done it, then we would have lost the project. So I didn't even think about, you know, am I going to get out of this? Okay. I was thinking about the project. And, you know, someone once told me that in high, in moments of high stress, we actually resort to something that's, that's tangible, that we can actually comprehend because the outcome might be not, not very certain. And, and I, until today, I just think it's how absurd was that? You know, the reason why I found myself, why, why, you know, these guys were against me being there. Uh, and then, and then the whole situation, you know, where, where the guns were meant to protect, but actually, you know, the waving, I thought if a, if a bullet goes off, you know, it was pointed regularly towards my, where I was hiding. So <laughs> I really that day thought, oh my gosh, you know, um, maybe time to make some changes in my life, which, which I actually did. But, um, it was, um, this was the only time where I really was uncomfortable in Angola, I have to say. Otherwise, it was an incredible, positive experience. And, and I'm very, very grateful that I've had the chance to, to meet the people I met and also leave that impact that I had the fortune to leave there. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, have you, did you ever have any PTSD or anything traumatic thought process after that at all? Or were you able to work through it okay? No, it's, um, I have, I, I call it a really good brain. So it tends to eliminate things I can't cope with quite well. So um, at no point, so, so I was a bit shaken up, but I, I have to say, I was also more worried about the driver because he was called the collaborator. And then, you know, there is no um, understanding or, you know, back at that point, you know, I was more worried about him than myself, really. Um, but in the end, I just thought, you know what, this is the... The, the, the risk that is associated was associated with working uh, there back then at the time. So it wasn't entirely unexpected. It's um, And it's an interesting question because actually I never thought before that I might have had PTSD. So if I had it, I never realized it. And, and again, you know, I've been some tricky situations, other ones as well. And I find that my brain just really, really eliminates a lot of what I choose clearly not to remember or be impacted by. Interesting. No, I, I'm always curious on that to see how people kind of cope with with traumatic experiences like that. And you said during that you uh, uh, you're like, well, shoot, maybe there's some stuff in life I need to change. And you said you went and changed anything. Do you? What were some of those things that made that experience made you decide to change going forward? Uh, I mean, it might sound like a bit of a cliche, but um, I um, so when I when I was then um, back in, in in London, the UK, where I live. Um, I started looking at, you know, how I actually live, live my life and, and is this really the way how I want to continue? And um, one of the things I realized, and it might sound very, very mundane, but I used to hate walking, to hate walking and I realized um, that actually having the freedom to go anywhere I want and not feel threatened and, you know, uh, having that, uh, yeah, it's, it's really freedom and that, that, that peace of mind is is absolutely um, um, just just something that I need to explore more and and do more. Uh, but also in terms of um, coaching, I think this was one of the times where I started thinking, you know, um, is there more that I can do outside work as well? 
to to maybe help others and and it took a while after that until i found what the right um means or models for me for for me was to really help others but certainly the foundations for that were laid um during that time where i just saw that how one person i sorry me with my colleague uh coaching uh a few people, what difference it made, not just to their lives, but to the lives of their whole big family, their clan. It was absolutely transformational. Um, so it kind of the, the positive impact of that, um, that that um, or that left a much bigger positive impact with me than, for example, that that negative experience I had um, while, while we were in that warehouse. Mm, that's really a cool story of what happened after. So uh, thanks for sharing that. That's a neat thing and and now i mean that with what you're doing today and goes into the fifth trade of pencil leadership that we're all uniquely created with the potential to leave a positive mark so uh you're you're i know you're leaving a mark a positive mark right now but when everything is said and done for you here on earth what do you hope your mark is and then what are you doing right now to leave that mark so uh, i think legacy is a very important um question and um the challenge for me is that very often legacy is related to our own spouse or partner and children. So this is very often where legacy starts and then it radiates from there. So um, I, I don't have that. So for me, legacy is about something much, much wider and what I can do. So for me, um, where, where I am a coach, um, I have a particular approach to six-figure um, business blueprint. And, and my ambition is really to be able to um, it, take it to a level where it becomes a model that can be taught by others to help others, to support other business owners and really scale it up to the point where it no longer depends on me. Uh, and and this, uh, this is then something that would be not just an approach um, um, that, that's paid, so effectively a, a service, a paid service for which um, business owners pay, but also uh, I can do this more on a free basis and others can do it more on a free basis, helping um, startup companies. So, for example, in the UK, there's the Princess Trust, an organization that helps young people uh, to have more opportunities, sometimes from very disadvantaged backgrounds, and the organization helps them to have more opportunities. And recurrently, they are they are actually founders. You know, they uh, and it doesn't have to be you know a, a Virgin Galactic. Sometimes, uh, you know, a solopreneur, a founder, is someone who runs um, um, a small gardening business or someone who who delivers. Um, goods to to companies or or to individual customers this this can be incredibly uh, successful businesses both from a financial and the human point of view however knowing the business side of an activity is very different to actually knowing how to carry out that activity or have a passion for something and and really helping people with with the business side of uh, of their hobby passion or, or activity is what i believe um I can help with in terms of my legacy when I, when I scale the approach more widely. That's awesome. And it, it's so big again, it's what pencil leadership is doing. It's trying to help people see their true potential and see where they can go with, with the skills and talents and abilities they are created with. And so what you're doing is just kind of, it's so cool to see that you're, you're just coming alongside these people who've seen, Hey, okay, I have this potential, you know, I have this strength, but I have no idea how to create a business from this and you're just being there to guide. And then the ripple effect that that has on, on so many lives is really cool. 
That's exactly it. It's like the stone and water, the concentric uh, circles that that emerge, and and that's just um, that's just sometimes um, you know easy to forget that um, that you can actually um, you you can have a multiply effect uh, because what ha- whatever happens, whatever someone decides to take up is going to impact everyone around them one way or another, and hopefully in as positive a way as as the impact they've seen from themselves. Yeah, it's so cool. And just knowing that you have a, even a small part to play in someone else's story mm-hmm. and, and many others is is fantastic. So Joanna, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can people connect with you uh, to learn more about what you do and maybe just send you a message? Where's the best way people can reach you? So you can either reach me by email. So that's joanna at theaccountablemindset.com. Uh, or um. To start with, you can join the Facebook group. Uh, we have now of close to 800 um, members in, inside the group. And that's um, the Accountable Mindset Community. Uh, that's a group on Facebook. Awesome. Well, yeah, guys, definitely get connected with her. Continue to learn uh, just from her success and what she's done. Um, but again, Joanna, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership today. Thank you so much, Chris. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.